For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Romans seven fifteen eighteen through 19. Thanks, Elijah. You may be seated. This may be the most important message you've heard in a long time. And that sounds a little prideful. I'm not because I'm preaching it. Um, because I think that there's an element of following Jesus that we do not get. And here is the element. Following Jesus is a fight. Following Jesus is a fight. Now we live, if, if you're like me, you, you live and you've raised your kids that you say, hey, y'all don't fight. You ever, you ever say that? Y'all don't fight. And you don't really like it when you, if you're married, when you and your spouse get in a fight. Leslie and I never get in fights because I'm a pastor. We don't do things like that. <laughs> never, ever. We say, don't fight. We don't like to fight. And this whole concept of, of fighting, as a matter of fact, if you talk about fighting, a lot of times people get turned off and everything. And I, I get all that. Do I get it? But I want you to see something today, that following Jesus Christ it's a fight. Last week, if you weren't here last week, I would, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, uh, I mean, listen to the, to the message of either me or Kurt on the other campus or to watch the podcast of, of Trey and, and Kurt talking about last week's message where we talked about that. Paul asked his questions that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, can you just go on and sin, keep sinning and do whatever you want to do? Because we have this concept that I can, I can say a prayer and I can accept Jesus Christ, and then I can go do whatever I want because I'm going to heaven. That's what we have this concept. A lot of people do. A lot of times it, it's kind of like this American theology. I'll do whatever I want to do because I said this prayer 25 years ago. Nothing in my life changed. Look, I'm not God. I'm just telling you what the scriptures, the scriptures say that Paul says, can we keep going sinning and, and so that God can keep forgiving us? He says, no, no, you don't do that. Why would you want to do that? That we talked about this last week, that this is the path to death, that when you don't, when you don't know Christ, it leads to death said this. He said, wide is the road that leads to destruction. Many find it. And he said, there's a path to life that goes this way and few find it. And he tells us that, that it's just this, this path that you're going down that you can't just live any way you want to live. You can't just do what you want to do. And so when you make this decision, when everything's going this way and everything's going this way and it leads to death and everything's going that way, when you make this decision, I'm going to follow Christ, you've entered a fight. You've entered a fight, a fight for to follow Jesus Christ, a fight to be like Christ, and the battle starts that, man, the enemy, he, he, he doesn't really care about you. You ever wondered why? Why, why is all this happening? I'm trying to get my life right. You know why? Because you just put a bullseye on your back and said, I'm changing. I'm going to do some things that are different. Now, I've told you all this story that the, the, the worship team was, was making fun of me this morning because you've heard all my stories. I wish I had some new ones. I'm going to start making up some stuff and saying that happened to me, okay? You know, <laughs> But my boys wrestled. My boys wrestled, and I've told you this story. And we raised our kids not to fight, but they fought. They fought, and, and Stacy's here. They were at her house, and Dave would have to go break them up. Look, they bloodied. You know what I'm talking about? They'd come in from the trampoline. They'd be on the trampoline. The trampoline always ended in a fight. Somebody would come in bloodied and bruised and mad and, you know, you know, sweat and stinky and everything like that. But when they were in high school, they wrestled. Micah was the older, and he was bigger, and he was always better than Mitchell. Always better. 
Well, anyway, Mitchell started to get good and they started to drill together. They never really drilled together before because there really wasn't any use in it. They started to drill together. And then in one practice, it was on. It went from wrestling to a fist fight. And they said that everybody just stopped and watched. And they just went, and they didn't tell Leslie and I this until years later. You know how that goes. Your kids ever do it to you? Oh, yeah, when we were in high school, we did this. They don't tell you then because then it would be ugly. You know what I'm saying? Then it would be another fight. You and I are in this fight. You're in this, in, in this fight to follow Jesus Christ. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, then it's not, and, and I'm going I'm to say some things to you, and I'm going to probably hurt some feelings today. It's not just coming to church. See, so many times we think, well, I'm doing good. I'm just going to church. No, it's not just coming to church. You talked about giving your life to Jesus Christ, not an hour of your week. A lot of times we think, oh, yeah, I went and gave my hour. Look, look, let me tell you something. It's way more than that. If you think that's all that's going to keep you going, coming to church one hour a week, that you're going to be able to follow Jesus Christ, you're fooling yourself. I'm telling the enemy is after you. He's after us that you are in a galactic battle. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. You don't believe me? Look, look what Paul writes right here. Paul writes these words, and this is what Elijah just read. This is what Paul writes. He says, I really don't understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. You ever thought that about yourself? I have said those words. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why do I keep doing this? Because, man, there is this fight. There is this battle. There is this struggle. I want to follow Christ, but sometimes I don't do it. And then he says this. And I know that nothing good lives in me that in my sinful nature. Now, I'm going to stop right here. That you and I, there are two natures. You have this nature that is a sinful nature. That is, uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you are, we talked about this last week, you are a slave to sin. You are, you are a slave to sin. That sin owns you. You go, I don't believe that, Gary. I don't, it doesn't really matter what you believe. I'm just telling you. That that's what, the, that's what the God's Word says. That's what Jesus said. That you are a slave to sin. When you accept Christ, you die to that sinful nature. You died to that sinful nature, and you have a new nature. You have, you have the, the, the nature of Christ. The, the Holy Spirit is in your life. You have the nature of God in your life. But these two things battle each other. These two things battle. Because even though you died to that, sin is all around us, and it's looking to raise itself up. When you want to do good, now let me give you a great example of this. I'm going to need some water, Les. I'm struggling. Thank you, dear. Real simple example of this. You ever said to yourself, I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And you sat down to pray. And as soon as you sat down to pray, a million things flooded your mind and what you needed to do. You ever thought about that? Everything that happened to you? And it totally distracted. Where do you think those thoughts came from? The enemy doesn't want you to pray. He wants you to focus on the earthly nature, your sinful nature, and not think about it. He doesn't want you to follow Christ. And so you've got this battle going on, and then we've got this sinful nature inside of us. And Paul says, nothing good inside of me. I, sin. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And this is just me, like when you're talking to a middle school kid and go, why did you do that? You know what they say? Well, I don't know. And you know what? They don't know. I don't have a clue why they did it. They just did it. And so many times in our life, we have this struggle. The struggle is real. This, this struggle we have that I want to follow Christ, but I did this, and I don't know why I keep doing this. And, and we, 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 I don't know. I don't really just don't know. 
Which leads me to the second thing. There are two forces at play in our life. Star Wars. How many got Star Wars fans in here? I got three. Okay, great. All right. Let me think of a new illustration. No, I'm just kidding. Star Wars did a great job with this. Talking about two forces. Oh, there's a lot of movies that do this. As a matter of fact, Hollywood's done a great job of capturing that there's good and there's evil. There's forces that want to do good and forces that want to do bad. And they're in this galactic battle. As a matter of fact, Star Wars did a great job of, of, of uh, coming up with this phrase, may the force... See, you know more than you think. Y'all are Star Wars geeks in here. There's some Star Wars. Undercover Star Wars fans. I got you. May the force be with you. And they also come up to this with this phrase, come over to the dark side. Come over to the dark side. That's what's going on in your life and my life. That there are these forces at work and they are doing battle. They are battling. It's not, it's not for the weak. It's not for the weak at heart. As a matter of fact, I wrote these things down. Is that we don't understand that we're in a fight. We don't understand it. We don't understand this. We don't understand we're in a fight. We don't understand that bad things happen to us when we try to follow Christ because the enemy is coming against us. And that may scare you, but it ought to, that shouldn't scare you because there's more shots when you're flying over the enemy than when you're not. And guess what? Christ is calling us. He's calling us to take ground. He's calling us to fight. He's calling us to follow him. But here's the third thing. We have not fully grasped the destructive power of sin to harm us in our faith, to make us ineffective, to wreak havoc in our relationships. We've never understood that, and we've never understood that we are more fully alive. We're never more fully alive than when we're fighting. I'm telling you, you ever been in a fight? You are as live as you're ever going to be in your life. It's the most 30 seconds I've got. You ever know what I'm talking about? You get a fight, it's like 30 seconds, you're winded. But for that 30 seconds, man, I'm alive. My heart is racing. I'm wanting to get... You're stuttering, saying stuff you shouldn't say. You're never more fully alive than when you're fighting. I'm going to show you some scripture here, just talking about that. First is this, it doesn't come from Romans. Comes from Ephesians, but I want you to get where Paul's saying it, because this, this is what he said. He says, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against the mighty powers in the dark in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. He says, Hey, you're fighting a galactic battle you don't even know about. There are things going on supernaturally. The enemy knows you. You've got this sinful nature that trips you up. You've got the, the, the culture of the world that's wanting to pull you away from Christ. All these things are battling, battling, battling. And here's, here's our attitude. Hope sermon's not too long today. I don't, hope they don't sing that song I don't like anymore. Hope they don't, we just have this so small grasp of what it means to follow Christ. And I want you to see that, man, you're in a battle. Second scripture here. Paul says, so the trouble is not with the law. And he's talking about the law, the law being, and, and I'm, I'm, the law is the rules that God gave us to follow because we are following Jesus Christ. And I'll sum up the law in, in these two rules, that we are to love God 
with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself. He says, the trouble is with me. He said, the problem isn't the law. It's not, it's not the law's fault. The problem's with me. I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I really don't understand myself for what I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But I, if I know that what I'm, doing, what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good, meaning that the problem's not with the law. When you do something, you know it's wrong. You're basically saying, hey, the law, the law is good. If you do something, you feel guilty. Hey, you're basically saying, hey, the law is good. And you can sear your conscience. I realize that, that you don't feel anything anymore. He says, so I'm not the one who's doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. And he separates this thing, that we have this sinful nature that is constantly vying us up. Now, let me ask you this question. Somebody pulls out in front of you, pulls out in front of you, and I'm just going to say, and, and, and they, tell, they, 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 they tell you you're number one. You know what I'm talking about? Now, do you respond to that person? Is your immediate response to that person? You know what? God bless them. I love them. Thank you for letting this happen to me today. I'm praying for them. No, your immediate response is coming from your sinful nature. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's no telling what you're going to do at that point in time. You might say something. You might do something. You might, you, and I'm not justifying any of this. I'm just telling you, this is all right there inside of all of us. And that's what Paul's saying, that these forces are there, these forces that want to that are going to do battle, that want to destroy us, that want to wreak havoc in our lives. And too many times we just think, I'm going to accept Christ and things are going to be easy. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to live a good life. I'm not against you in that. Praise God. I hope that happens to everybody. But you're defied. And there's going to be good days and bad days. And there's going to be days, man, where you feel bloodied. You feel like the enemy's on your back. And we have to gear up for this. We have to be ready for it. Which leads me to this. There are two desires wrestling for our allegiance. Wrestling for our allegiance. I don't know why. I took some allergy medicine. My mouth's dry. I'm not, I'm not loose. I can get loopy taking allergy medicine. Anybody with me? There are two desires battling for our allegiance. daily. Hear me, hear me. In what you say, in what you think, in what you look at, in what you do. It's right there. It's right there, right there in front of you. It's, it's at work. It's at home. It's in the car. It is right there. These choices that, man, I, I, I want to, I, my flesh, I want to do, I want it. And the Holy Spirit's going, no, 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 no. Jesus said, you read God's word and you're like, I don't want to be like that. No, no, I don't want to be like that. And they're wrestling for our allegiance. And Paul wrote this. He said, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, meaning I have this desire. I want, I want to follow Christ. I, I believe in Jesus. I want to follow him. 
but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Now, it just so happens that this week that I went to celebrate recovery. We have a, recovery, a phenomenal recovery ministry at Eastridge for people with hurts, habits, and hangups. And I heard a testimony each week uh, is a teaching on recovery or testimony. I heard testimony. I heard Pam's testimony. Pam is part of the East Campus. I've uh, been a longtime Eastridge member, and I got to hear her battle her battle, her struggle, and I asked her if she would share it with us. I'd love you to welcome her warmly. Look, she's bold. Bring her on the stage, y'all. Good morning. Thank you guys for having me. I'm Pam. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I struggle with codependency and depression. Hey. Growing up, my dad traveled for his job, and when my dad was home, he drank heavily. His attitude and moods were volatile, and when he was home, I avoided him as much as possible. My parents argued a lot, and there was mostly yelling between them. At times, we got caught in the crossfire. Trying to figure out their moods is where my codependency began. I was very insecure as a teenager, and at 16 was when I drank alcohol for the first time, experienced a way to numb myself. My mom, brother, and I went to a Southern Baptist church pretty much every time the doors were open, but I don't recall ever hearing about God's love. The preacher shouted at us every sermon what was going to send us to hell. It seemed like everything I did was a sin, and I was definitely going to hell, so I figured, why bother trying to do right? I think I was around age nine when I was baptized, but I didn't understand what that really meant. At the time I started drinking, I left the church. I was already a disappointment to God in this lifestyle, so I completely rejected him. I told people God didn't exist. At 19, I met my husband, Aaron. He was in bands, and we were in the bars every weekend. We got married and started a family, and I got sober from drinking as I carried my baby. After Brandon was born, I picked up alcohol again, and by this time, I worked as a dispatcher at a heating and air company. That year, I had my baby. Another dispatcher became a close friend, and she was a strong Christian. I noticed her attitude set her apart from others. She seemed to be joyful and content. She was a light that I had not been looking for. I was drawn to her. She was Holy Spirit-filled, and I wanted to know more about that. She invited me to join her to a service at Eastridge, and I went. That sermon was written just for me. He talked about feelings of resentment and rejection by people. But there was a living God who was my father and had my picture in his wallet, a proud daddy. I could be his child, never rejected if I accepted him into my heart and learned to follow him. Now that was a love I needed to hear about. I decided that day that God was real and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. 
A few months later, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I was a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has passed away. I started serving and trying to become a changed life one day at a time. Aaron and I grew our family. We had two more children. And being a stay-at-home mom who suffered from depression, I turned to alcohol as a way to de-stress. Our marriage became rocky, and neither of us had good examples of communication and how to work through issues, so we both tried to be happy by sweeping our issues under the rug. My thinking was, if I could fake it, I would snap myself out of this depression. I could throw on my mask at church and at family functions. Excuse me, I'm like Gary. I figured I was hiding it well. I became a perfectionist and expected my children to be perfect so no one would see the dysfunction inside my home. And at one point, I had a falling out with a close family member, and this rejection threw me into a deep pit of depression. I was crying all the time, and my mind was a tape in my head of all the shameful things I did as a teenager. It was a vicious cycle that just kept me feeling depressed. I compared myself to other mothers, and I didn't measure up. My counselor suggested Celebrate Recovery, and I decided to give it a try. I'd been following the Lord for about eight years at this point, and in 2010 at Newcomers 101, the leader spoke about step studies, and one had just kicked off. I went into the step study because I was depressed. I had no idea God would use it to open my eyes to what caused it. I learned what codependency meant and that it's the root cause of my depression. When I felt I let someone down, even if I don't believe that, didn't believe that I caused it, I did anything I could to relieve myself of the worry that they would reject me. I learned that I needed to let go of the shame and guilt I carried from my past. Before this step study, I had no idea how much it affected how I was feeling at that moment in time. God revealed to me that I hadn't felt truly loved, so I was having a hard time loving back. You can't give something you don't have. My perception was distorted. I was loved by others, but I couldn't accept it because of my shame. I could never fully accept that God could forgive someone like me who had done the things I had done. By working through the steps and with the help of my sponsor, I learned how to accept God's forgiveness. I confronted things I'd buried and tried not to think about. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Lamentations 3.40 In step four, I inventoried my relationships with both my parents. Step five says, We admitted to God, to, some, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. This allowed me to finally let it go. I made mistakes. I was hurt. Hurt people hurt people. I hurt those around me by not dealing with my past, and I was finally able to make amends with my parents. I was able to forgive myself, and when I could accept God's love, I began to love myself. God placed other women in my life who struggled with some of the same things I did. I was accepted just the way I was, faults and all. They didn't judge me, and I didn't judge them. We were all messed up people trying to make it one day at a time. Jesus states in Luke 5:31 and 32, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We all knew we were sick and in need of a savior. After I completed my second step study in 2013, I joined the Celebrate Recovery leadership team. I began serving as a co-leader in Newcomers 101. I served there for about four years. During that time, I completed another step study as a co-leader. Each inventory shared, some old and some new burdens were lifted. I was able to fully submit my will to Christ's care and control. That's principle three. Around this time, I shared my testimony for the first time. Even more healing took place. I began to share victories over codependency. That's practicing telling people no at times, risking that they would be disappointed. I set boundaries in my family, and I finally understood I have no control over other people's choices or actions. I only needed to know what pertained to me, things that I could change. However, somewhere along the way, I began to feel like I had a certain level of control over my life. I was regressing in my walk with Christ. By this stage, with my kids, they were teenagers. Up until then, I had a certain level of control with them, where they went, who they spent time with, and what they watched and listened to. As they matured into young adults, I had to give up some control. And that was a very hard thing for me. I had to allow them to make choices and for them to reap the consequences for bad choices. As a codependent, those choices affected how I felt. Realizing I didn't have control over them sent me into a depression which turned to drinking. I never stopped drinking. I thought I managed it well. I told myself, as long as I don't drink around my kids or if I only drink on the weekends, then I wasn't hurting anyone. The problem was life was becoming stressful in new ways, and I didn't know how to handle it. My weekends got closer together, and I began drinking more at night, leaving me hungover the next day and my stress still there. I began to rely less on God for strength and used alcohol once again as a crutch for my stress, not dealing with it, escaping from it. I began to feel ashamed for leading at CR, but secretly struggling with my alcohol use. I was becoming irritable because the cravings were too much at times. I was taking out my frustrations on Aaron and the kids. I was feeling like a failure as a wife and a mom. It fueled the desire to want to drink more. Around this time, my husband and I were in different places in our marriage. I decided I was going to use alcohol to cope. I consciously made a choice to consume myself with alcohol. I had thoughts of suicide because I felt like the recovery I had achieved before wasn't real. I felt like I hadn't recovered at all from codependency and control issues. The truth is, I was miserable and just didn't care anymore. I was back at step one. I was in denial that I had any part in the struggles in our marriage. I couldn't accept that I had some ownership in the current state of our relationship, and it was easier to blame him for my feelings. I was in denial that I could manage my, level, my life with the level of alcohol I was consuming. So one day I made a choice. I wanted to stop drinking. I wanted to put God first in my life. Through this experience, he showed me I had my priorities out of order. I was putting my husband and children above God. 
God was allowing me to go through this pain to get my attention. I was fighting getting sober for so long. God kept nudging me to give it up completely, but I've been choosing to disobey him. I didn't see it that way for many years. I finally made a definitive choice that my last drink was on November 2nd, 2018. November 3rd, I was going to obey God. I have to tell you, this was the hardest decision I've ever made because alcohol is all around me. Everyone else around me did not make that choice. And going around my dad, there's alcohol. I dealt with temptation in our home in the beginning. My husband has since given up alcohol around me and supports my sobriety. Going to weddings, anniversary celebrations, and holiday gatherings were unpleasant for me. At any point, I could have just had a drink and let that all go. I was on the brink of quitting CR completely. If I didn't go to meetings, no one would know I was choosing to drink, but God would know. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me about the strength that I had inside me. Romans 8:11 says, The one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. I had to make another tough choice. I needed to step back from leadership so I could focus on my own recovery. I feared letting other people down, but the order is not church, then God. It's not ministry, then God. God is to be before all things. Ever since I made a commitment to God that I would put him first, I've worked on doing just that. So I entered the ladies' chemical dependency group at that time. These women had been exactly where I was, and they surrounded me with love and support. I gained accountability partners I could reach out to in the moments of temptation, and they responded with, I'm praying for you right now. It meant so much to me that not only were they praying for me to have strength to get me through, but they were there to hear my cries. Just being able to confess where I was in those moments released me of the stronghold Satan had upon me. The first year was super tough. I battled with just isolating to protect myself from the temptation. God revealed to me that I was difficult to communicate with, and this was the part of my responsibility in the issues within my marriage. In step studies, we're asked to look at our responsibility during the inventory process. I've worked very hard on how to manage my emotions, not to react, but pray through trials. Just as I needed to work on forgiveness and love from God, I've worked on communication with Him too. When I allow God into my circumstances first, he cha it changes everything. It's me submitting my will to His. My husband and I are in a much better place in our marriage. As a matter of fact, I'd say it's become healthier than it ever was before. God never wastes a hurt. He used the circumstance to get our attention on areas we needed to heal from and grow. This came at a time when our oldest got married. I feel like we're a better example to him. And how to communicate and forgive as well. You see, the ripple effects will be never-ending because of my obedience. I've recently rejoined the leadership team, and this time I'm more honest. When I'm struggling, I use my tools. I have a daily quiet time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer. 
I reach out to my sponsor and my accountability partners. I'm so grateful God's placed so many women around me I can do life with, and I just need to keep my eyes on him. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Thank Thank you. All right. Did you hear her story? Look, I'm following Christ. I got this sinful nature. I got these desires. They're waging war. I fall back. I can stay here. I fight back. I fall back. Look, I'm telling you, you may not have an alcohol addiction, but you got a sin issue. I do too. You've got Areas of your life, they're going to pop up. And if, man, if, you, if you don't take this serious, then you're going to fall back and be ineffective. You're going to be miserable. There are two forces and two desires, but there's one answer. There's one answer. It's Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if you listen to me, listen to me. If you could do it on your own, you'd already done it. You'd already done it. Whatever it is, anger, gossip, bitterness, whatever you're talking about, whatever, whatever you know, you know exactly what I'm saying right now. You know exactly what it is. That it's this, it's that, that. I've been struggling. Look, if you could do it on your own, you would have already done it. You need Jesus Christ. You need to surrender to his will. You need to ask him for help. Look at the scripture right here. And we're going to stop with this, Darcy. Oh, what a miserable person I am. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul writing this. The one I told you that started all the churches, wrote the New Testament, did all the things that, that man, we look up to. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's when you take and you place Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and whatever area of your life you surrender, you say, I'm going to obey. Did you hear Pam say, I made this decision. We talked about this. Last week. She drew a line in the sand. We talked about it last week. I'm not doing this anymore. I need help. I need Jesus Christ. I don't know what your struggle is. I just know we're all strugglers. I don't know what your battle is. I just know we're all in a battle. I'm telling you, there's something bigger going on in your life than going to El Charo here in a minute. I'm serious. The enemy wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you back. He wants to keep everything. I have this picture on my refrigerator. I, I wish that my picture is generous, y'all. Picture is generous. I drew out, a, I wrote out a scripture. I have terrible handwriting. Wrote out a scripture. John 10, 10. I wrote it out and I put it on the refrigerator. You know why I put it on the refrigerator? Because I go there a lot. <laughs> Got a chair where my recliner's right in front of it, so. And I paraphrased it. I will have everything that the Lord has prepared for me. I wrote this out. I will have everything that the Lord has purposed for me. Because Jesus said this. He says, I have come to give you life. I want life. I want life for you. But it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come cheap. 
It comes through fighting and it comes through surrender. It comes through obeying the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week of yielding what I want and doing it his way. And man, that's when things start to happen. Maybe today is the day that man, you're going to take this call serious. That Man, I'm following Christ. I'm going to recommit my life to Christ. I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. We're going to give you a chance to respond. And I'm praying that you do. Leslie and I will be over here to your left, to my right. We'd love to pray with you. If you've got a decision make, you want prayer, you got something going on, whatever it is, we want to help you. But I'm going to pray for you right now, and then we're going to sing. Father, we come to you. Lord, I thank you for your word that gives us a great picture that following you is not always easy. That we have this sin issue in our life. We have forces of evil that want to push us back. Our very flesh sometimes works against us. And yet you're calling us, calling us all the time, come, come, come. Trust me. You call out to us, yield to me. Surrender to me. Follow me. So Lord, I pray for the person here today that's never followed you. Never understood that, that, that they were in this battle. That they, that they, may under, they maybe never understood themselves what was going on in their lives. Why do they keep doing the same thing over and over again? Lord, I pray for that person to place their faith in you today. Lord, I pray for the person here today that, that has been following you, but man, they've been struggling, but they've not really been fighting. Not really been fighting. Just kind of giving in and making excuses. But we don't want to do that anymore. We want to fight. We want to stand up. We want to draw a line in the sand today and say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to ask for his forgiveness, and I'm going to, I'm going to become more like him. And so, Lord, I pray for us to yield to you today and whatever that decision is. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me and sing? And listen, if you have a decision to make, I'd love to pray with you. Leslie and I would love to pray with you.